Hello and welcome to episode 6 of One More Go, it's half a year we've been doing this now, talking to each other about retro games, or talking to each other about games that we used to love, games that we still love, and games that we hope you'll love too. Nailed it! That's Nailed my fir- first time delivering the delivering the the iconic line. So yeah, it took you six months to build up to it, but you I did know. it I so ho- beautifully. I hope it was good. I hope I've not disappointed anyone. No, it's good. It's making me feel nostalgic for the first time we did this. Totally, this yeah. is a thing where we're becoming sort of inception nostalgia. <laughs> we're chasing our own tails. But uh, who are we? Um, I am, as always, Barry Topping, um, and, and I am Nicol Hay. Nicol Hay, stand-up comedian. Yeah, yeah. I'm a lot of things. I'm a lot of things. things. Uh, Like a beautiful man, for example. That's one of the many things that I am. One of the things that I do most accomplishedly. We do a lot of flirting with each other on this podcast. We should maybe do like a sort of flirting outtakes session (laughs) at some point. Uh, Yeah, I feel that would become more popular than the actual podcast. Mm. Slash um, fiction written about us would be... Outrageous! Oh my god! If there's anyone out there who would like to do that, please do not do that. No, do I don't not think do I could that. deal with slash fiction about myself. Oh god, we'd we'd be wearing so many Sonic costumes. <laughs> I might write some slash fiction about Game Wank, Game Wank X Bit Socket. <laughs> you heard it here first. Oh man, you be filthy. You have revolutionised the whole concept of desire. I really have. So, what have we been doing this month? Um, playing lots of games, and today in particular, um, what are you what are you going to be talking about? Oh, about? today I'm going to talk about uh, what our European listeners may know as WarioWare, and our mm. Japanese listeners, because there's tons of them, yeah. would know as Made in Wario, but uh, the, the Wario minigame collection for the <laughs> made, Game Boy Advance. Made in Wario, like Made in Chelsea. Yeah, uh, yeah. Made in Wario. That'd be a great spin-off. Like sort of <laughs> Wario and all his kind of toffee mates kicking about the Mushroom Kingdom. Oh, just trying to chase down cocaine and uh, VIP lounges in the worst clubs imaginable. I would so watch that. Yeah. No. No. Um, yeah, and I'm going to be talking about Star Fox 2. Star Fox 2? Star Fox 2, the unreleased jewel, hidden jewel in the crown of the, the latter-day SNES library. It's everything the SNES was leading to and was so cruelly snatched away. Right pretty much, end. pretty much. Um, I know I've been doing a lot of SNES games recently, but I just have to get... There's a lot of SNES stuff I've been wanting to get off my chest for years. So. Hey, SNES games, did you used to love them? Aye. Do you still love them? I do, aye. Do you hope our listeners will love them too? I do, actually. Well, then, it's absolutely allowed. Absolutely allowed. You... So I just, just before we... St- get on to some things here I just I keep like your DS keeps catching my eye <laughs> we're, we're going to put up some pictures of Nichols DS he's been playing the, the Game Boy Advance WarioWare you played yeah that's it. right it's the very first one but like um, rather than dig out my Game Boy Advance and have to like buy batteries like some kind of caveman mm. I just paid it on, played it on my DS now my DS was like first generation DS that was like that's bought and launch fat DS so yeah. it had like the same problems that all of them have with like the weakening hinges and stuff like that and the cracks in them and one of the very first things I did once I dug it out was drop it from a great height so that it completely splintered so now it's held together with gaffer tape and works perfectly because Nintendo's amazing you've you've been very very kind on your description (laughs) of this DS some things I like to point out you hear that? I don't think you can hear that, but it makes a strange rattling noise when you shake it. Things are loose. Um, it's greatly, greatly discoloured. A lot of the silvers come off, revealing the sort of bone-coloured plastic beneath. 
Um, it's very scratched on the back, which is quite nice. There's a big bit of plastic missing out the side of it. Yep, that that's um, gone forever. Oh, um, oh, the noise it makes when it opens <laughs> like sp- splintering again, like bone. It's like a boat. Like, see if you can hear this. That's horrible. That sounds that's like gaffer tape all leg. over the hinge. Oh, by the way, it also doesn't go to sleep when you close it over anymore. Because ah, obviously that bit is uh, gone. You've uh, also sellotaped over one of the speakers as well. That, that's an old injury because there was some loose connection in the speaker and that stops it um, from uh, buzzing when I play my games. But, um, you know, it still works. It's fully functional. So there we have it. We're maybe going to run a Kickstarter so Nickel doesn't <laughs> have to play DS games or th- GBA games on this post-apocalyptic I'll be honest, piece of shit. Like, I, I don't know. I think I think it's the perfect distillation of the. You can use it as difference. a maraca. <laughs> but this this is like well, you'll see the you'll see the photographs. They'll be on the Tumblr. We'll probably tweet them as well. But the fact that this piece of kit, piece of kit, after everything still it's works. been through, still works. Unbelievable. This is this is what Nintendo were and are and always will be all about. I'm pretty sure you could use a Wii U gamepad to um, like just solder some wheels on it and use it as a skateboard and then you could like once you're home play another round of uh, whatever those fantastic Wii U games are (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Uh sick burn (laughs) you're right though I mean Nintendo's hardware is pretty much indestructible but speaking of hardware is there anything retro hardware that's caught your eye yeah after talking about the the retro N4 last time I got some follow up on that the main piece of follow up being that it's called the Retron and not the Retro N are we sure it's not the Retron good nah it's a Retron they've stylized it in such a way that has a capital N which is why it was confusing Retroon Retroon sounds like somewhere in the Highlands (laughs) (laughs) the the best retro game spot in the Highlands Retroon absolutely well it's an alternative universe Troon where everything goes backwards (laughs) it's Bizarro Troon but it works I figured I I figured imagine living in Bizarro Troon if we have any listeners in Bizarro Troon please (laughs) please get in touch Um, so they were uh, Midwest Gaming Classic. They were supposed to be announcing the, the the retro N4 or the Retron 4, which it was supposed to be. But instead, they've went and announced the Retron 5. They've just completely skipped four and went straight to five. There are no rules in the Midwest Game Conference. Um, so it supports, which this is exciting. It supports NES games and also Famicom games. Mm-hmm. Of course, as we discussed, different carts um, supports SNES, Genesis, and Game Boy Advance. All on the one console, which is very exciting. I'm enjoying the the redesign I'm looking at this here. It looks more like a, an American Super Nintendo mm. than the previous one, which looked like uh, the Devil's Toaster. Exactly. Um, we should say as well that I mean th- these are ports. So I mean the Game Boy Advance port takes Game Boy Advance games and regular Game Boy games. Sorry, is that actually the pad? Yeah, the pad's a bit kind of horrible. That's horrific. It's just a. A slab. It looks like a Jaguar pad. I know the, the, the bit at the bottom. It does have controller ports for all the retro pads, though. So not like you're gonna be using them anyway. Right, good. Um, so yeah, it'll play SNES and Super Famicom games, sort of regardless of the shape. Unless is that a pad or is that like a an arcade stick? If that's an arcade stick, it's fine. No, it's a pad. Well, then it's rubbish. Um, boo, boo to you, Retroon Five. Something interesting about this is it seems to be completely region bypassed which is very exciting for anyone that owns any of the EverDrives. Because mm-hmm. obviously if you're using an EverDrive and a SNES or a Mega Drive, it's going to be region specific unless you have it modded. Y- so your, this, your Mega Drive modded? Your, your yeah, actual console has yeah, to yeah, be yeah. checked? Yeah, I mean, for, yeah. That, for my SNES to play, 
uh, non like like I said, I was using some terrible DOS application to like region free patch my SNES ROMs. But I mean, this will play anything regardless of region. So this plus an EverDrive, you're getting very close to the legitimately perfect way of playing SNES games. But um, so yeah, as discussed as well, it has an HDMI output, which you know isn't going to bump your stuff up, but it's going to look better than. Certainly, like the S video on the old version did. Yeah, you'll just get nice crisp colours, and that's that's what we're all about. And it has a SNES controller port, a NES controller port, a Genesis controller port. So, well, Mega Drive to Mega Drive to the likes of you and I. Totally, man. I don't I don't like calling it the Genesis. It reminds me too much of Genesis. <laughs> I like to keep those two things separate. Like, like you, you like you, your brain can only handle one Aye. awesome thing from your past. Like, at a time. The thought of like Mike Rutherford playing like Restar or something pretty pretty exciting. Um, yeah, because especially if we described the Mega Drive as the Genesis, that would make the Saturn like Phil Collins solo career, and nothing deserves to be labelled that way. Exactly. Here's the most quite exciting thing about it. It has save states. Ooh. Save states. Ooh. Which for the you know people that like to cheat at <laughs> games and speedrunners, I mean, this is pretty big news. You can be able to plug, plug like a hardware car into something and have a save state on it. That's pretty exciting, really. This is sort of like the marriage of emulator and hardware sort of coming together in, in one box. Button reassignment for all the controllers as well. All right. Um, there's some stuff here about overclocking, but yeah, don't really okay. give a shit about Can any I, of that. Yeah. There's, a wee, there's a wee sort of... It obviously, has, like any good emulator, has custom shaders too. So if you want you know, your games to look a bit more sort of modern, that option's there. But it's the nice thing that it does, uh, that it is region-free because... Um, we we've had a little bit of concern about region locking mm. this month because uh, one of the the big announcements from the Nintendo Direct conference last week is that um, Earthbound is coming to the Wii U shop. Finally, finally, though the strong suspicion is that it's only going to come to America and Europe's not going to get it again because we we never get it for reasons. Localization. Translating everything in a million and one European languages. Well, that's the thing. I mean, like, how many languages? I mean, they, it's normally just like the big five, really, isn't it? Yeah. Of, like English, French, Spanish, Italian, and German. German. And like that's normally enough. And I can understand the expense of translating, like you know, not going to the expense of translating a game if you don't think it's going to be worth it. But I, I mean, like my questions are, you know. Surely there's enough English speakers in Europe because, you know, yeah, the, 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 they'd there'd still, still be a sell. market. Yeah. yeah. All they literally have to do is take the American version and just, they just have to, like, flip a switch and put it on the UK one or, like, the European one. And people would still buy it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure that, you know, German gamers would rise up and discuss that the game was only being made available in English. I'm sure they probably would. They they do like a rise up and disgust. Uh, gamers, not Germans. Totally. But you know, the, the most difficult to understand thing about it is, especially for a game like Earthbound, where there have been a million and one fan translations. Now obviously they're going to be a variable quality, but there's been a lot of legwork done there that Nintendo could surely buy very, very cheaply. To complete the localization and make this game available in Europe, the, I mean, there must be reasons. I mean, the, like it, it must be along the same lines as why we only ever get fifty hertz ROMs of uh, Mega Drive and SNES games in European mm. eShops and things like that. When 
surely to goodness it'd be easy enough to put even like the option for a 60 hertz version in there exactly do they maybe want us like like to keep us from finding out that we're playing sonic at like 80 percent speed all this time mm. I, I i can't imagine why they don't just do it there i mean there must be a reason there must be a reason it can't just be because nintendo hates europe much as we like to say that yeah, that yeah. is the reason for everything maybe someone knows if anyone can shed some light on that um Please let us know. But just I think us. we just need to go to Nintendo offices somewhere and just beat down the door and be like, "Why, why, why? you bastards? Why?" And I'll say it in English so they sort of go, "Oh, lots of people speak oh, English." Oh, right, right, right. I see, I see. Um, on the subject of translation, um, I've been sort of been down the, the the ROM hacking and translation rabbit hole over the last month. Mm-hmm. Um, for any any sort of PS One RPG fans that ever played any of the the Suicoden series. You might know that between Sukoden 2 on the PS1, Sukoden 3 on the PS2, um, there were two kind of side story games released, uh, two Suiko Gaiden games, which were sort of text, picture-based adventures that filled in the storyline between 2 and 3. They came out sort of like late 90s, but one of them has finally, episode 1, has finally been translated here 10 plus years later. You know, the the Sukoden online sort of fan presence is still you know very very huge mm-hmm. and we finally had a circle guide game translated it's a by by the company or is this a fan translation nope, this is a fan translation right. um konami you know can circle one of those konami ips that they've just kind of ran into the ground to be honest right with a substandard you know ds offering and then a kind of even more substandard psp offering i so for any fans of Suicoden, you can now get uh, Suicoden Gaiden 1 um, as translated. Um, if you go on to www.romhacking.net, just really go on there and take some time to look at the stuff that's been translated. There are people, people tell me, oh, I wish I'd gotten a chance to play X or Y game, but it never got translated. There's a high chance it has been. I mean, there are a lot of games either have been translated or are currently in translation, and this goes from NES games all the way up to DS games, um, like the DS Fire Emblems fully translated now, right, like the one that yeah. didn't didn't yeah. come out uh, outside of Japan. So you know, get on there and have. There's there's so much cool stuff for anyone that ever played uh, Xenogears as well on the PS One. There's an undub of that. All right. So obviously all English text, Japanese voices. Um, so yeah, get on romhacking.net, have a look at their translations, have a look at their rom hacks, and there's some really quite exciting stuff on there that you, you may enjoy, which is, funnily enough, where I got a hold of the Star Fox 2 translation patch. Well, that's good. That comes in very handy. So, yes. you, so you had all the all the text, so you could enjoy the story that's so vital to the enjoyment of Star Fox 2. I'll, I'll get on to this, but aye, Star Fox 2, the ROM that I have, is a 90% complete game with everything translated and working, thanks to the hard-working people of the internet. Yeah, absolutely. This is the thing, if you love a game and the developer has maybe shunned it in recent years, there are people out there who fucking love that game too and a lot of these people are doing stuff to make sure that you're getting enjoyment out of it. Again, to go back to Suicoden, um, Suicoden 2, if anyone's played that, there are a lot of glitches in that game. Um, even glitches from region to region. Like the US version is absolutely like full of glitches that weren't in the Japanese one. That's mental. I know, but again, there are people out there, um, if you Google Suicoden bug fixes, there are people out there who have released patches for ISOs that have fixed all the bugs. You know, there are people out there reprogramming Konami's mistakes as we speak for a plus a 10-plus-year-old game. That's crazy. But, you know, I mean, it's 
it's heartwarming. There may not be enough people to make it viable for Konami to spend the money to fix it, but exactly. there's enough people with enough knowledge to make it um, available for another generation. Exactly. I can only hope that eventually it's just going to come to a point where, well, if you won't make the games we want, we're going to make the games we want. Yeah, and that will be that will be a fun place to live. But then you get into the sort of realms of C and D letters and stuff. So, yeah. I think like I remember there was there were people making a three D remake of Chrono Trigger a while back, and mm. like they got a good sort of sixty percent of the way into production before they got a C and D. You think that people should be able to you know do whatever they want with an IP as long as they're not planning on making money out of it? Yeah, I mean you could argue that it's just along the the same lines of people who just draw Mario T shirts. Exactly, you know, it's it's are inspired by rather than it, it's such a you know company to company it varies so much as well you just have to look at like uh, the, the Proto Men for example a band that have made their career off writing music about Mega Man mm-hmm. and like Capcom are so down with it because it, all it's doing is generating more interest for Mega Man and it's like Capcom obviously realised that oh this is a good thing whereas a lot of companies like Square Enix and maybe even Nintendo the minute someone starts to do something with one of their IPs are like nope nope it's we can't we can't keep a hold on the quality. There's no quality control, and they just immediately shut it down. Well, you know, if if uh, Square just let people play a 3D re- remake of Chrono Trigger, then they wouldn't be playing Final Fantasy 13. And then aye. where would you be? Aye, this is the, this is the ironic thing. Square Enix are worried about quality control of like external <laughs> parties. It's like you should look inwards a bit first. I think. Sick burn. Aye, sick burn. Sick Square burn. Enix. Yeah, this, um, this is this is the podcast where one more go just takes on the world. Squeenix. Um, so yes, now that we've spoke a wee bit about what's happening in the, the retro game world, anything, anything final to add? No, just that uh, we're about to talk about some lovely games. Lovely games. So listen to some music, and then I'm going to be back to talk you through Maiden Wario, WarioWare, Inc., minigame, microgame, minigame... you're going to be telling the people about WarioWare. I am going to be telling the people about WarioWare, which was released in 2003 for the Game Boy Advance. Um, It was, as I was alluding to earlier, called Made in Wario in Japan, WarioWare Inc. Mega Micro Games with a dollar sign at the end and an exclamation mark in America. And in Europe, the very exciting WarioWare Inc. Mini Game Mania. Because, you know, in Europe, just change it. I know. We always get the shittest subtitles for games. I believe it's because um, in Europe you can you only need to file one trademark if the name can be like directly translated in all the other languages. Okay. So quite often they get something that like they can direct quote unquote directly translate and only have to file. Oh, but you know, there's no such thing as a direct translation. You have to fudge things everywhere. So I don't know. It's just another thing that we just don't understand about that. Was this the first? The very, very first WarioWare. Then it was. It was um, the game. If you if you don't understand, uh, if you don't know what it is, it's um, a collection of uh, mini games or other micro games. Uh, you uh, each level um, will be a succession of these games, a relentless succession of uh, games that last for. Well, the 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 literature always says five seconds, but really it's eight beats in the bar of the the music that's playing. All right. Um, 
so and the the game comes up and you get a one word command like avoid build destroy hide and you have these games with like a huge variety of scenarios where you're either you know um a, a rocket ship shooting at enemies or you're like a little guy trying to avoid a huge hand coming down from the sky to pinch you That's you're intense. uh you're a, a kiwi carrying an egg and have to jump up while somebody in the background hammers the ground so that your egg doesn't fall off your back mm. it's a huge uh plethora of weird and wonderful scenarios uh and like i say the the the, the games each last for these eight beats uh, as you progress it gets faster and faster the music speeds up uh-huh. the, you've only got less and less reaction time uh you've got four lives you lose a life if you fail a game and uh yeah the idea is just um Stamina, you just keep going as long as you can through each sort of themed group of, oh, of games. That sounds... I mean, it's, it wasn't the first sounds... sort of mini-game collection. Uh-huh. Uh, before that, um, I mean, like, the Konami Bishy Bashy series had been in yeah. the arcade since, like, 1996, and Nintendo even had their own collections, like Wario Party and, like, those mini-games on uh, Pokemon Stadium that we've spoken about right. before. But those were always focus more on the sort of multiplayer uh, sort of board game aspect well, of it. this is more a one player this is definitely experience. more of a one player experience and it's more about I mean it's it's interesting the way it works cause the first time you play through them um, when you don't know what's coming next it's it's like a really bizarre you're lost in the wilderness you've got to try and interpret what's happening to you because you don't get any other instructions beyond just this one word, word command comes up on the screen uh, the control set's really stripped down. They only ever uses the D-pad and one action button. All right. But you have to figure out exactly what they're, what they're doing. doing. Yeah, right. I mean, like, sometimes they're pretty obvious. Like, if you're a car that's on a road and you've just got to avoid oncoming traffic, that's fairly simple. Yeah. But um, you get things like like a boxing game where you've got to hit the other person and uh, you'll lose it a couple of times before you realise that you can dodge to the left or right because there's nothing in there that right. uh, really suggests it to See. you. But once you do know the games, then it becomes probably the most perfectly distilled Twitch gaming that there is. Like it's uh-huh. almost like a, a vertical shoot 'em up in that you know you're 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 acting and reacting to to patterns of things, but the patterns keep coming at you and they keep changing, and uh-huh. you've just got to learn and adapt and then keep up with the pace. How many mini games are there? Uh, that's a good question. There's nine different levels, and I would say they've each got between 10 and 20 games in them, but some of them do repeat. Is there a lot of repetition, or is it? It, it comes and it goes. There's the, there's like, uh, like the, fir- right, I'll, I'll, I'll talk you through the story. Like, there's, there's two sort of, uh, different modes. The first one is like the story where you've got these sort of themed levels. Basically, the idea of it is that Wario is one day hanging out in his house and he's watching the TV and there's a news report. He has a house. He has a house. He's just hanging after he got kicked out of the castle. and <laughs> Yeah, yeah, after he got kicked Mario out of Mario's castle. So he just uh, lives in a house. Yeah, he lives in Diamond City. He's just got an apartment. All oh, right. Uh, he's just watching TV and uh, a reporter, uh, a dog reporter, is on the news talking about how the video game Pioro uh, is making oodles and oodles of money. So Wario, being addicted to money, obviously... Says, well, I'll just make some video games and make loads of money. That'll be easy. Ah, we've all been there. So he uh, he ro- he dashes out of the house, buys a laptop, uh, forms a Wario WarioWare Inc, the the titular video game company, and starts programming. That's amazing. Uh, but he he quite quickly realizes that it, uh, so like the first level is Wario's games that he's made. Mm-hmm. And there's only like sort of ten of them, and they're fairly simple. 
And then after it, he realises that it's quite hard work, so he calls all his friends and gets them to to program games for him as well. Okay. So there's uh, these different characters. Um, with That's actually a kind of nice premise. I didn't reali- realise it had sort of such an endearing premise. Yeah, like, absolutely. Cool. So, like, you know, his friends, like, uh, Jimmy making an Ace honest cool. living, like, making an honest <laughs> game dev living. <laughs> well, there is that. I mean, like, as you, as you go through each of the themed levels, I mean, you have, like, um, uh, different ones. Like, Mona is... Um, a girl who just sort of like works in a cafe. She's got like you, you get like a little sort of animated cutscene before the the levels begin. Uh-huh. Uh, like Mona is like a girl who like works in a cafe, but she's slept in. She's late for her work. She leaves her home, which looks and it be this sort of weird Tuscan watercolor. Right. Uh, jumps on her scooter and starts like racing towards the cafe where she works. But she's speeding. She gets caught by cops, and they all start chasing her. There's like literally like three dozen cars chasing after her. Um, so. Her games are like every time you're successful in a game, a chimp jumps out the back of her her scooter to throw a banana peel at a cop car that's chasing her to ah, like skate it off the road. And if you fail, a cop car gets closer. It's it, it's a, it's a game that is very much trying to be as zany and Japanese as it possibly yeah, can. It sounds. Who's it made by? Um, it's Nintendo R and D one. Apparently, uh-huh. do you know what else they made? Uh, I did look this up and now I It sounds very non Nintendo, like Wadi Oliver in an apartment and buying a laptop and that. Yeah, and having this sort of like, um, you know, meta fictional postmodern sort of storyline, like getting all his friends. Like, the, the fun thing is, like, like, like once Mona's sort of stage is complete, once, like, you, you have to complete a certain number of games to, like, sort of advance to the next level. Once she does that, like, she throws enough bananas that. All the cops run off the road. They end up in a big pile of destruction. She gets to work and nothing else happens. No, nice. no cops come to arrest her. She just does her shift. Um, but yeah, like the idea is that in doing this, she's like inventing the games that are going to go into the uh-huh. WarioWare game. Um, another character is Cat, uh, who's a ninja. Like at the start, like you put in your your name, so like Wario's like talking to you throughout the game as mm-hmm. the player, the person that he's marketing this game to. So at the start of this game, like uh, you're like a, a sort of shogun who's who's ill, being cursed by a samurai ghost, and you shout for the ninja girl to come save you. So Cat, who's the ninja girl, walks through four seasons of a landscape to get to the uh, pagoda where you're you're captured, and then she like makes her way through the the paper oh, screens cool. in the house to to uh, exercise the ghost and save you. Um, so they all have these sort of weird progressions that are build up the games, and then like the last level is Wario again, uh-huh. um, and like there's a bunch of new games that he's come up with, but quite a lot of them are him taking other games that other people come up with and putting uh-huh. himself into them. Uh, that's cool. So like one of the games um, uh, previously is um, an eye dropping game where like you've got somebody's face at the bottom looking up and blinking, and mm-hmm. there's like a bottle of eye drops sort of going back and forth in front of them. You've got just time pressing A. To drop the eye drops into the person's eye and make them all, all good again. In Wario's version, it's Wario's face at the bottom, uh-huh. and the bottle swings back and forth. And when you press A, a beam of force comes out of Wario's eyes and destroys the the eye drop bottle. Ah, uh, that's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's all this sort of like fun little different things about it. How how long does sort of one kind of play through? It's the kind of thing you can play through a bunch of times. Well, yeah, I mean, like uh, the 
like your your playthrough, like it's uh, like a random selection of yeah, games. Yeah, and, and if the mini games are so short, I imagine it takes a long time for you to get bored of those mini games. Well, if yeah, you're getting like a five second bit of gameplay, then. I think your mileage may vary. The thing with the video games is well, they, like the the mini games have like sort of three levels of difficulty, which will either add sort of pace or complexity, yeah. or the amount of enemies that you've got to avoid, or whatever it is, depending on the game itself. So. The first time you go through everybody, you get a certain amount of games and then a boss game which is longer and then that finishes and you progress to the next level and that's like your first play through the first game uh-huh. which ultimately ends with um, Wario completing, a, like like making his game uh, and then stealing the cash from all the other characters who have uh, like had their stake in making the game with him saying, uh, I don't care what you think about me, I'm still a cad. And he nice. runs away with his money, uh, and all the yeah. credits at, at the end are for like the characters who are in the game, like crediting them for making the games. That's really cool. Um, so that can take like each of those ser- sort of sections can take like you know sort of three four minutes to play through, uh-huh. and then you go back and like I say like there's only so many games it takes to complete that, but there's more games within each level that you can unlock. Uh-huh. Like um, so, you get like a second game mode where rather than sort of playing through an endurance and those games getting them one after the other uh-huh. you get like a grid of all the games that are available on each of those levels and once you've played them once in the first game mode you can then play them in the second one where you just play that one game over and over again for like a certain amount of times until you've like get like a complete medal on it okay and that becomes like a different sort of game because you know exactly what's coming every time yeah. it's just getting faster and faster and faster and it becomes more sort of a a case of endurance and getting into the rhythm of them. So there's there's different ways to play the games, but um, I mean the the real sort of story about it is the variety, the character, and the joy of it. Because uh-huh. I mean this game is ten years old and it did come out in the Game Boy Advance, but because everything's so simplistic about it, um, it's all about art style. You know, you've got pixel art, you've got um, hand drawn stuff, you've got all like right. sort of photographs that are just sort of dropped into the action you've got claymation models and all these sort of things and it hasn't dated at all it looks as beautiful now as it did as it did back then mm. because it's more about um expression than pushing the machine to its limits i imagine it's still just as much fun now as it was at the time as well absolutely absolutely because it's still quite unique i mean like there have been a lot more yeah wario, wario games, games after it but you know nothing else has really pushed it and that was the great thing at the time um it was completely new IP. Like like I said, there were sort of many game collections before, but this sort of experience and the sort of character about it just made it a real breath of fresh air. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, the Game Boy Advance was great. I would say there's a strong argument that the Game Boy Advance is has the strongest catalogue of any Nintendo machine. Maybe not the best games, because obviously the Wii's got the two best games that have ever been made. But, um, like... Just pound for pound, like the sheer volume of great games that came out every month for the Game Boy Advance. Certainly it does have a very strong library. Not as strong as the SNES with DS, but a very strong library. I would argue the DS, though. I would too. It, like, like there's just like the, you know there was sort of, just when the DS was alive, there was sort of like big like three four month gaps between the next game that you had to have Game Boy Advance was just constant disagreed man there are so many good DS games you just not looked hard enough that's your problem Uh, well I mean getting back to this game though I mean like no fuck you but the one thing is is like it it, it was like a a brand new franchise and Mm. Nintendo don't do that enough now they don't um, come out with 
like really new ways to use the IP. Yeah, anymore. I mean, name like the last one that was really fresh. Aye, no, you're you're right. You know, maybe Luigi's Mansion, maybe. Yeah. From having sort of from what we discussed, we were briefly discussing before we recorded about the last Nintendo Direct as well as mm-hmm. getting it's a bit of there's definite IP fatigue starting to set in with me. As I'm sure you you yeah, as well, but, um, so, and mean, that's like really like these beloved franchises when like this is the you know Reg this Reggie's chat beloved yeah you know he's always going on about Mario and Zelda and that but there is a real sense of fatigue starting to set in when they announce a new Zelda game and a new Mario game and but it's the fact that they're the same thing I mean I wouldn't mind them reusing the characters I mean like ah like, it's just the, the premises. I mean, like, Mario having his mainline games plus the Mario RPG games plus, like, the, the Mario and Donkey Kong puzzle games. Like, they're all fine. Like, like and Mario Party and Mario Kart and whatever. If there was another sort of Mario thing that was just, like, a different game using those Mario skins, that'd be great. But it's not. We're just getting another Mario RPG, another yeah. Zelda. Particularly, I mean, Dream Team does look particularly exciting. We're both fans of the Mario and Luigi games, but... Again, it's just... It's the same thing, man. It'll it'll happen, though. I mean, there will be a a Mario Galaxy of this gen, hopefully, so... Hope so, hope so. I mean, this was the nice thing about WarioWare as well, that, you know, it wasn't the first Wario game, even. Like, you had Wario Land games, but this was a completely new direction to take it in. And Uh, they also had all, like, the the fun other characters. I mean, like, one of the characters, uh, Jimmy, who's, like, a... You know, a sort of seventies black exploitation disco sort of guy, but his right. his sides are in like the the shape of uh, semi quavers, mm. which is uh, a pretty nice touch. Um, and there's one guy called Nine Volt. We should probably say semi quavers are musical notes for yeah, yeah, listeners that maybe aren't musical. No, that's true. Uh, anyway, yeah, the other character. There's was one character called Nine Volt. Now he's. He's really interesting. This is a really fun part of Wario where all his games are based around old Nintendo IP. Mm-hmm. So, um, like, you'll you'll get like a wee snatch of Zelda, a wee snatch of Metroid, yeah. um, a wee bit of F Zero, like That's like cool. you know, like just avoid things on an F Zero track for five seconds, yeah. like Zelda, like enter a dungeon sort of thing. There's a a bit of Virtual Boy uh, chat, like Away. a wee recreation of Virtual Boy. But there's also like the toys that Nintendo made before. Um, uh, before they were a video game company, like all the stuff that Gunpei Yokoi made yeah. before. So like you've got like the Ultra Hand, which is like a sort of extended collapsible uh, grabbing things. So you've got to grab balls there. Th- this game must be a bit of a spiritual successor to a lot of the Game & Watch games. Yep, there's Game yeah, & Watch stuff in there as well. Uh-huh, uh, uh, Chiritori, which is like this weird remote-controlled vacuum cleaner that Nintendo had that just turned around and when you pressed the button it went in a straight line hoovering things up. Uh, so there's many games there's in that and it's it's great because this at the time was the first time Nintendo had really made this huge effort to acknowledge their past it became this like lovely treasure trove of really cool. everything that had made Nintendo mm. great and it was just wee snatches of how to play them um, and you know obviously now we've got sort of eShops and whatever where you can download these games and actually play them in full yeah. but this was just like a lovely tribute to what Nintendo was uh, but the cool thing about the character who curates all this 9-volt is like um, he's a He's a he's a DJ who skateboards who is obsessed with retro Nintendo, and I'm sitting looking at his thing, going, "Is this Barry? <laughs> is this Barry sitting in the game?" 
And then when you complete the game, like when you complete his uh, storyline, at the end of it, the reporter announces that the Game Boy Advance SP is out in the shops, and Nine Volt immediately runs out to buy one. And right. I'm just thinking, that's it. That's Barry yeah, Toppin no, no, right there no, in a no, game. No, so that's a newfound respect for me because you've you've actually been in a Nintendo game. It's hard being so famous. Yeah, absolutely. The the retro obsessed DJ who buys Nintendo products. I'm glad I kind of fit into a, a pre-existing Japanese Nintendo stereotype. You know, if I was going to fit into one stereotype, I'm happy it's that one. Like, it's, and it's and it's a beautiful thing. Thank you, Nintendo. Thank you. Um, but yeah, just to I mean, just to wrap up. I mean, we've got, we spoke a bit about the art style. The music's really good as well. Yeah, what is the music like? Is it sort of as varied as the the games? Are? Um, it depends. Some levels, uh, like I mean, they've all got like sort of intro music over like the first um, mm-hmm. screen. But for most of them, it gets uh, sort of suspended, and like there's there's little snatches of the music, especially for nine volts. Like uh, you'll have like little recreations of like the Mario theme or the Zelda ah, theme, cool. whatever. When you're actually playing, but some of the levels. Uh, like in the sci-fi themed level, like they've got this really upbeat, posy J-pop track, which uh, nice. really works. On the the ninja girl who's like exercising you from the uh, the ghost that's yeah, cursed you, it's just this really laid-back sort of seventies uh, kung fu movie ballad sort of thing. Um, nice. That's really crazy uh, and a really good uh, sort of rock function on uh, Wario's final level. So yeah, I mean, like the the main problem with the game, uh, going back to it, if there is a problem, is that necessarily there's there's absolutely no depth to it. Aye, you know, like it, it's a quick blast to be played, quickly or a long time. But like I say, there's Just so the, much the charm of micro games. I yeah. guess. you wouldn't want it to have like a yeah, yeah. Cut, cut scenes in that <laughs> yeah. and dialogue and uh, yeah, um, and yeah, you know, have to read a strategy guide for it. And, exactly. And like Are there? This is a bit of a loaded question, but you'll know why it's loaded in a minute. Are there any uh, two-player games? There are. This? Yeah, no. This is this is the nice thing about it. As you as you play enough of the games, you unlock extra things. So there's like um, slightly longer games which uh, develop the concepts of some of the smaller ones, uh-huh. including some two-player games, which are really. Uh, weird to play because they they always they're always controlled with just one button like the trigger buttons it's like two people crowded around the same Game Boy Advance getting very very close. Why wow, we had a, we had a wee shot earlier on and it was very intimate. Yeah, like like um, Barry said something that caught my attention. I turned around and his basically face was immediately there. Immediately there. Which you know is a, just another reason to buy this game. Totally. I think what I might have just been talking about how I totally kicked your ass. There is that. There is that. We played four. Of the, there's four games. We played them each once, and Barry won through Knuckle one. Knuckle can he play again? I'm rubbish. I'm so rubbish. But um, yeah, they were great fun. Like that. Um, yeah, it was. It was actually very fun. Sort of a few minutes. Like the the ding dong <laughs> called ding dong. Nah, that was um, good. You got like three, uh, like a wall between two players, and there's like three loose blocks, and you've got your. Pokey stick. Yeah, a stick scrolling up and down. And you've just got to time your button press to try and push a block out to land on your opponent, and they can obviously push it back in and push out other ones. That was really tense. A sort of, oh, do I, do I push my block back in or do I try and push yeah, your lots block of, out? Tons of risk reward. Oh, it was good, like. Great fun. So, yeah, and, and, and you know, again, absolutely no depth to it at all. So, you'd probably recommend this to anyone that can has the ability to play Game Boy Advance games, then, I imagine. <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. I really would. Um, I mean, like it's it's such an interesting thing for the way it, it came along in history because it really prefigures a lot of like um, mobile phone gaming, uh-huh. like the the mini games, but especially the sort of extended ancillary games really feel like the sort of thing that you download for like 
69p from uh, uh, from iOS. I'm, so. I'm sure. I'm sure at this time, I mean, the thing about like Japan's always had huge mobile gaming, so mm-hmm. I'm sure at this time, you know, this was maybe even taking a lot of stuff from. Yeah, that's a Japanese good point. Mobile gaming. Um, I mean, there's no way Nintendo will ever license their products for like Android or iOS yeah, or anything not. like that. But um, they absolutely fit it perfectly, and it really sort of forecast this happening. How how can it be played? Can you get it on any of the any of these shops? Is it on anything or is it going to be a case of buying it or emulating it? It was remade for the GameCube, um, where like all the original games plus some extra multiplayer games uh-huh. were put on there. Uh, and there was a limited re release um when they did those um Game Boy Advance Ambassador things. Remember when people bought a three D S like the early adopters bought it for uh-huh. tons and then they made it really cheap like Maybe two I've months got later. It. Um I don't think uh, there's still no plans to release it through Virtual Console at the moment, but it was available. It was an ambassador for those. title. Yeah. Um, interesting. That, at least get, I know I will be able to play it. I think that's pretty cool. Um, a couple of the the sort of extended games, those unlockable games like Paper Plane and Bird and Beans, which is also known as Pioro, um, mm-hmm. uh, are available as DSiWare games. Okay. Um, but you know. Um, but the thing is, like, the, probably the reason why the original game isn't available, um, downloadable, is that there's been so many sequels to it. And yeah. the interesting thing is that um, as the systems evolved, uh, as the games evolved, it's become really like um, a proof of concept for every sort of new Nintendo hardware. As Nintendo hardware has become what's the latest gimmick. So, like, when the DS came out, there was WarioWare Touched came out, yeah, which is that. you know all based around like. Um, Swiping and scrolling and slicing and just using the touch screen and the microphone to interact mm-hmm. with the game. Uh, you've had WarioWare Smooth Moves on the Wii, and there's um, there's a WarioWare can't remember the the subtitle that's coming out on the uh, on the Wii U as well, which would be oh. really interesting because there's just so much so much interactivity built into that uh, that gamepad that uh, the different ways you can use them is really interesting it, it seems to the format seems like it lent itself well to any sort of you know sort of platform that had a sort of you know innovative control method perhaps yeah exactly I mean it just really like the whole sort of concept of the mini games and things like it just really pushes the designers to mm. to think about the different ways you can interact with them and you know the games to this day remain you know, like something that's as as fun and distracting as you need it to be for like you know, two minutes or two hours. Good. And yes, I heartily recommend if you've got a Game Boy Advance, track down a copy of the first one because it's the most uh, it's the most pure um, distillation of the concept. Like the 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 sort of simplified control method. Not that you know I dislike the like the the branching out into the other control methods, but this is the one that had all the heart. So good. So there you have it. Uh- Pretty strong recommendation to pick up WarioWare. It very much is. It very much is. Um, you know, and like the the memories that are bound up in it is just sort of that relentless wave of great games that came out on the Game Boy Advance mm. at a time where I could. I mean, I was what, what like twenty two when this game came out. I was twenty when I bought my my Game Boy Advance. So I was at an age where I could actually afford to buy all these games that totally. kept coming out. So that was that was nice. So did you not play it at the time? No, I didn't. Strange. Especially seeing you're in it. I know. I had a Game Boy Advance, but I only had a regular Game Boy Advance. I didn't have an SP or anything, so maybe in many ways I'm not your wee DJ fella. Oh, don't, I'll let you down. Don't ruin the magic. Um, but I was never... I'll, like, I, even though I had a Game Boy Advance, I, I emulated most of the Game Boy Advance games that I played. Right. Because the original Game Boy Advance is... 
you can't play anything on it. The screen's terrible. You can't see anything. I just I just dealt with it like a man. I couldn't, man. I couldn't. Oh, well. Oh, well. So, what are you going to tell us about? Um, I am going to be talking about the unreleased but very much a complete game, Star Fox 2. I'm excited. I'm excited to know what this is like because obviously I've not played it because nobody has. I totally. <laughs> so, we'll have a wee... A wee, bit of, a wee bit of the intro music from this and I'll be back to tell you all about it. was developed by Argonaut Software and published, or at least it was going to be published by Nintendo. Argonaut, of course, made Stunt Race FX. Yeah, yeah, they're a British company, aren't they? Yes, they are a British company, so... Which is not something I knew until I started looking into it, that, you know, hey, Star Fox 2 is made by a British company. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Argonaut were... They weren't huge at the time, but they were sort of a respected one. They They were always that company that were... They were maybe going to make a great game and never quite got around to it. But was this the great game? Uh, unfortunately, it probably was. Uh-huh. Um, Star Fox 2, um, the, the short version is that it was supposed to be released in the summer in 1995. Um, but basically, because of the impending release of the N64, they held back. When in actuality, they would have had a full year and a half before the N64. finally. So they could have put it out. But, I mean, I mean this is like... It was produced by Miyamoto. This was a big game for yeah. Nintendo. It was, I mean, Star Fox was a huge, sold a lot of units, and it, it was the big sequel. It was a direct sequel to Star Fox as well. So, um, it was built on the Super FX Two chip as well, which obviously the first Star Foxes and games like Stunt Race FX and that, and then Super FX Two came along, and that's what Yoshi's Island and then also Star Fox Two were built on. Um, interestingly, a, lo- a lot of the sort of the programming and stuff, and the way the camera behaved and stuff, they, they sort of implemented into what became Super Mario sixty four. So, how does that work? I mean, because Star Fox quite linear. Star Fox is really linear. It's an unreal shooter almost. Well, this is the thing. Star Fox two is very much a three D game, whereas the first Star Fox was kind of a three D game on like an unreal shooter. This is very much a three D game. Right. You move around in three D space. So it's like the uh, the all range mode parts from Lilac Wars. Exactly, a lot of what became Lilac Wars first features in this game. All right, um, which is sort of interesting. So, the Japanese version of this game was completely finished, um, with the exception of a few debug things. Which, uh, the way this game came to be in the hands of the internet is very much shrouded in mystery. Someone at Nintendo either stole it and released it on the internet or leaked it from Nintendo. Right. And there's no obviously there's no account of what actually happened because you know this is a I mean, when can you ever think of like a game this big being leaked? I mean it, it surprises me that not a lot of people even know this game's out there. Exactly. But I mean thanks to I mean there, there's there's a, a fan translation group called Aeon Genesis who have released a full English translation for it. All the debug stuff has been patched out. Um, and basically, I mean, if you can get your hands on the ROM and you can download the patch from the Aeon Genesis website, what you have is a complete, fully functioning English copy of Star Fox 2. The full game is there. It's, it's mind-blowing to think that... I mean, you can almost see the, the logic of not releasing it because you don't want to steal the thunder from 
the N64. Aye. But they're doing this before they know that the N64 is finished. And like Nintendo, are, well, back then they were so notorious for missing deadlines because Miyamoto just wanted things to be finished. Exactly. When you think of the push that they gave, the first Star Fox as well. I remember when it came out, like there was adverts everywhere on every five minutes on TV. See, this a Star Fox advert, or sorry, a Star Wing advert. Well, Star Wing, yeah. But this was the thing about those games, like the the games that used the Super FX chip were so exciting because they were so big, and it was it was like a wee slice of like the sort of neck feather you get over the next gen mm. with like just a game, just a game starting up that uses technology that you can't imagine. And I mean, Star Fox, especially Star Wing. You know, like when that game appeared on Super Nintendo, that was mind blowing. Like it's one of those games you just look at and you're like, how? How is what witchcraft is making this happen on that? Star Fox Two it completely blows the first game out of the water for me as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a big fan of the Star Fox series. Um, I honestly like Star Fox sixty four is. Like I, I play the 3DS version regularly. It's one of my all-time favorite games. And before I only played, I mean, this is the thing. I mean, this isn't something I'm revisiting. I only played Star Fox Two for the first time a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. and this is like easily the second. I'd say the second best game in the series. You know, it doesn't quite reach the dizzying heights of Star, Star Fox, Fox Adventures. <laughs> yeah, totally, man, totally. Um, there's no crystal in it, which is kind of a letdown. But I mean, uh, let me say there's no crystal, but there are other furry female companions in this game, is which it? I'll get to. Oh, because there aren't um, any in Lilac Wars. I, I know. This has more characters in it. Is this why it got canned? <laughs> Quite possibly. Um, Should we possibly explain how you actually play a Star Fox game for people who may be uninitiated? Is it really that we've not actually described that? Well, this is the thing. The gameplay of this is very much different. I mean, for anyone that's played Star Fox 64 or any of the sort of mainline Star Fox games, it's an on-rails shooter. You control, you know, an, a, the ship called an R-Wing and you play one of four well, you always play Fox, but I mean, in this one, you can choose who you want to play, which is quite exciting. Is that right? Yeah. Um, and then you fly around and you shoot, basically. You've got your wingmen helping you out. Totally. you got your wee team, your wee Star Fox team. So, I mean, this follows on directly from the storyline of the first one where, you know, Andros returns to the Lilac system. The big floaty head. Pretty much, big monkey head, and you have to fight him. For, for starters, like I said, you can pick six different characters. you got Slippy, Peppy, Falco, and Fox, as always, the four team. Then you have these uh, two new characters, Miu and Faye. One's kind of like a, a kind of lynx, a kind of maybe uh-huh. it's a lynx, some kind of cat. Yeah. And I think uh, it's they're the wispy like bits, like, top and bottom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a lynx. They're almost like a bunny. Um, a like bunny, a, a kind of female bunny, I think. But or she was meant to that be a sheep, but they made her into a bunny or something. <laughs> I try not to spend too much time looking into it because this this is how they get you. A female bunny is called a doe. A doe, a deer. I thought a female deer was a doe. They're both does. Oh, I see. Unless they're not, in which case we're cutting this out. Thank you very much, the <laughs> a- Animal Planet. Um, <laughs> so you can control your characters, and each have a di- um, each pairing has a different type of ship. Like um, sort of Falco and Fox have the traditional R wings, and then Miu and Faye have smaller, faster ships, and then Peppy and Slippy have slightly bigger, slower but more powerful ships. Is that female characters with the quicker but weaker archetype going on in there? Yes, it is. What, what a break from tradition that but is. But in true, in true style, I played, I played the Lynx every time I played through it because you know, yeah, faster, better than more yeah. powerful. Of course. So you you pick your main character and then you pick like your sort of backup 
character as well and you get you know you, you have a wee team of two and for anyone that's played a Star Fox game you'll know what the the sort of the level screen looks like where you have a sort of solar system map the interesting thing in this it's an interactive map basically you have Corneria which is the main sort of Star Fox planet um, and you have to defend it from attacks from Andros oh, wow. so what you have is you have your two wee ships on the map and you can fly about and you can fly two planets all the while this is happening, you have this kind of real-time element where Andros's fleet is firing missiles at Corneria, and basically you you get game over if Corneria reaches 100% damage. So right. you have the Star Fox sort of system of going to planets, beating the bosses, but while this is happening, you have all this real-time stuff happening on the map. Like Andros will send out interplanetary missiles, and then also this is where Star Wolf first appear. Right. So you'll get sort of random encounters with the kind of the Star Wolf team members. This is amazing. This is like way more complex than even Lilac Wars was in the N64. It it's so much more complex. So you know, in between all this, the, the real time map stuff is great. You'll so you'll see a missile coming down on the map screen. You fly in it, and it'll take you into like a three D battle where you have to like fly after the missiles and shoot them down. And it's the same, you know, Star Wolf will like, come down from the fleet and fly after you and you get in a sort of an encounter with them, the same sort of thing. Um, so the thing is, though, for all the sort of levels there are, um, they're not all available in one playthrough. Right. The interesting thing is each playthrough randomizes slightly the planets that you go to. Oh, wow. And um, that happens within sort of the different difficulty levels as well. Um, it's a very short game. You, you, well, it's not a short game, but playthroughs are short. Yeah. You can do... I did my first playthrough in, on normal in about 20 minutes. All oh, right. Which was intercepting missiles, destroying sort of Andros's carriers, going to the sort of the planets... Planets that you can go to are lit up and they're flashing and they're sort of different on every playthrough. Yeah. And then eventually you go to the sort of the, the Andros fleet um, and then you destroy Andros. But I mean, more planets become open the higher the difficulty level. So when you're playing on like the highest difficulty level, like you're constantly getting bombarded by missiles and there are a lot more cruisers. And you know, you really have to sort of economize between flying to planets. And doing this thing, and then flying back to Corneria to stop like missile bombardment and stuff. This actually sounds amazing. It, it gets better, man. Oh wow! <laughs> On the planetary levels, the way that the levels are structured is you either get in an encounter, like I said, a Star Wolf encounter, where you fight one of the Star Wolf team, where you blow up some missiles. There are also encounters where you fly towards a sort of big kind of star destroyer looking cruiser and then you then go inside it to destroy the core. <sighs> and on levels when you can go inside to destroy the core, you can turn your R-wing um, into like a kind of walking mech. Right. You press the select button instead of flying around the level, it gets legs and you can walk around the level. Oh, in a I'm, very so sort of, I'm playing this game. In a very sort of kind of Mario 64 kind of way, it becomes a bit of a 3D platformer where you walk around and shoot a wee bit. And this all worked in the SNES. It did. It's it's unbelievable. Oh, mind blown. So th this is it. I mean, in a Star Fox level, you know, you're flying down a tunnel inside a spaceship and you have to avoid barriers and stuff. You're like, oh, just turn into a mech and walk past them all. So, like, on the one hand, I can see why they were scared about this stealing the N64's thunder, especially when Mario 64 didn't come out like right away. But, oh, my word. Aye, it's very cool. Um, there's a great graphically as well there's a great mix of like the, the maps all like sort of beautifully done 2D and then you've got all the sort of the, the sort of 3D you know models for the yeah. ships and the enemies and stuff um, 
so I mean, and that's basically it. You you go through these, even the planetary levels as well. You can fly around shooting. It's all there are no sort of on rail sections. It's all more of what was kind of the all range mode from Lilac Wars, right? Where you fly around sort of shooting at enemies. So even the planetary encounters are short. So rather than it based on like where the Star Fox games were sort of longer levels where you chose a different path. The game chooses your path for you in terms of the way it randomizes the planets that you can go to, and they're very much shorter experiences. So the the, the onus is more on, you know, play through it and then play through it again on a higher difficulty and then play through it again. And See, it's amazing how much is going on in there. Cause like, I, I mean, I did find out that, you know, elements of this were used in Lilac Wars, and I assume that's why this game has never been formally formally released. And it, subsequently that it's been so used, but it sounds like there's so much in this that we haven't seen in any other game. I know it set out a lot. Of, it set out elements that have been used in Star Fox Assault, Star Fox Command. There, having played all the Star Foxes now, there are things that I now know originated in Star Fox Two that they've just used in other games. It's mind blowing. It didn't come out. Mind blowing. The, the difference. I mean, when you think about the first Star Fox, it's just you have your four guys and you go through the levels. Mm-hmm. Everything good about Lilac Wars probably came from Star Fox Two, which is quite. But even then, I mean, it's I mean, like you've got branching paths and stuff like that, but it is more linear, and like the you don't have the things happening on the map that are described. But you still said that you still think Lilac Wars is the better game. Yeah, Lilac Wars is definitely the. Why? Why is that? Is it just that the action's better, or? Yeah, it's. We'll never truly. I mean, th- th- like I said, this game is complete, but we will never truly know how complete. Mm-hmm. People, there are people who think this is it. This is the retail version. There are people who think this is still an alpha, but it's for if you play it, you'll know immediately. It's a full, well, well playing experience. Right. You know, I'd go and pay money for this game off a shelf. Right. But it, it just it, it's the SNES. Star Fox looks great on the SNES, but I'm still not wildly in love with the way Super FX games look. Yeah, well, they, they they've aged badly in the way that all early 3D games have. Totally, like you know, like the that leap in technology was still too primitive to make an art style that that really transcends its age. Aye, I mean, but you know, I mean, it looks better than Virtual Racing. Well, ex- exactly. Yeah. But I mean, I love the thing I love about. My my, fav- my favorite thing about Star Fox are, are the on rail sections, to be honest. Right. And whereas I think this game does, you know, surpass the first one, you know, Star Fox sixty four uh, Lilac Wars is like a, a sort of a masterwork of the on rails shooting genre. I mean, that and Sin and Punishment are like the on rails shooters. It's like. just so much depth to Lilac Wars. Let's just talk a little bit about how great Lilac Wars is, because I was like. Especially at the time, because this was before Lucasfilm really got themselves together to make like actually good Star Wars games. Aye. It was easily the best Star Wars game. Aye. It was Lilac Wars. Um, you know, it takes so many tropes from that sort of universe. Like, but oh, so much fun. When I when I got the the 3DS XL, the first thing I did was put Star Fox in it. Like, it is. I I don't want it. I'd, I'd go as far as saying like Star Fox 3D is maybe the best game on the 3DS. It's so good. Like, Star Fox 64 is so good. It's it's like and the, this the, the this game. Yeah. So much of what's good about Star Fox 64 came out of Star Fox 2. So even though this never made it to shelves, it's good that it still exists because it very much paved the way for a total fucking classic and. 
just, just that mech version of the Arwing, though, that sounds so much more fun than the submarine that's in Lilac Wars. Uh, not the tank. The tank's it's not, cool. not quite as fun as the Landmaster, but it is a lot of fun. So, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, there, there you have it, this sort of beautiful Star Fox game that never got released. That is very much readily available. Like I said, all you need to there are a lot of ROM versions out there. Mm-hmm. So do a bit of looking around and make sure you find sort of the, the, the most non debug version of the ROM and then all you need to do is apply uh, Aeon Genesis's translation patch to it, which if you go to their website, they have a, a sort of download that has all the patcher tools and everything in it. Um and because of the because of this game was never really in the hands of anyone physically it doesn't run incredibly well on emulators mm-hmm. um, some emulators have always had trouble with Super FX games uh, Star Fox is notoriously hard to run but um, to the best of my knowledge BeastNES is your best bet for an emulator to run this and also the original Star Fox So did you play this on your PC? I emulated this on PS3 on SNES 9x. Oh right, I see. I'm with you. Right, okay. Um, That's interesting. She so still managed to play it on a TV. Yeah. Um, anyone that has a, a custom firmware uh, PS3 can get a, a SNES SNES 9x for it, and that runs really well. It didn't run perfectly, but run well enough to play. Certainly, and I got to play it with a PS3 pad, which was pretty good fun. So you can't um, you can't use it on your like, your EverDrive or anything like that. No, the EverDrive doesn't run SuperFX chips games anyway because yeah. it's hardware so you need to have a super effects uh, chip in there sure. but um, there are people making reproduction cartridges of Star Fox 2 um, if you want to play it on a SNES you can buy a cartridge reproduction of it where they flash the ROM to a super effects ready cartridge all you need to do is send them a donor cart with a super effects chip in it and they'll flash Star Fox 2 to it and send it back to you that's pretty amazing you can even go as far as getting the artwork label printed up and get it in a nice box in that I was kind of hoping there'd be a nice easy way to like sort of flash it to an SD card and play it on a on a DS or something like that. There is no easy way. It's notoriously hard to run, but I think your best bet is Beast as as an emulator. I think our best bet is uh, once again for all of us to rise as one to go to Kyoto to hammer on Nintendo's door and say, "Please, please let us play this, this game." This is the kind There's of thing. There's literally no reason for you not to let us play this game. The that's Nintendo have done one thing right with Star Fox maybe in the last 10 years and that was released the 3DS version I mean Star Fox Command was good but wasn't really what people were wanting from a Star Fox game and Star Fox Assault had kind of cool Unreal sections in it but again there was too much pissing about there was too much not Star Fox in it Shall we have a contemptuous moment of dismal silence for Star Fox Adventures? Aye 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 (sighs) There's nothing that we can say that hasn't already been said Dinosaur Planet would have been a fine uh, game, no doubt, but just uh, poor, poor decision making from Nintendo led to not only a shitty GameCube game, but a shitty Star Fox game, which is even worse. Just not even just shitty, but creepy. Aye. Ugh, just, uh, that game was so uncanny valley that it was not. Uh, the best, best Star Fox things since Lilac Wars have been Smash Brothers. Aye, pretty much. That's a shame. That's a shame. Oh, come on, Nintendo. Start making good games again. I can see this game. I don't know why. I just have a feeling that this game might appear one day in some sort of virtual console format. Because as awareness is raised for it, there'll be more demand for it. And it's finished. See, see, even if the version that I've played isn't a retail version, they could still put it out and people would pay for it. Like we said, there's literally no reason not to. Unless 
it being developed by Argonaut means that there are actually some rights issues, but I can't see Nintendo letting things slip like that. Surely Argonaut would have been operating as work for hire. Like, there's no way Nintendo don't own this outright. Surely. Mm, they must. Um, the other exciting thing about Star Fox 2 is it had multiplayer. Another thing mm-hmm. that was sort of laid, uh, more foundations that were laid there. So The multiplayer in Lilac Wars isn't great. What are you talking about? I is. You think so? Ah, you unlock the the mode where you get you run about. You 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 unlock the mode where you control Fox, Falco, Pepe, and Slippy, oh, and you run about your wee guns that. shooting. Ah, it's because you were never good enough to unlock it. No, uh, that's absolutely the case. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I just played like that sort of all range mode where you just got like a quarter of the screen, you can't see anything. And ah, you're the, just... four, the four player split screen on an N sixty four is kind of rough. Goldeneye like having to be two inches away from the screen to see what you're doing. Uh, that and the fact like Lilac Wars was pushing it so hard, it's just like there was like mist everywhere uh, without every, like two feet away from your ship. Every time you set off a Nova bomb, the amount of slowdown that you got was like crippled your N64. But still a great game. Oh, absolutely beautiful game. Um, so here we go. I mean, if you're a fan of any Star Wars game, you need to play Star Fox Two because it's it, it is very much the missing link in the series. Like. It seems like such a huge jump from Star Fox to Lilac Wars, but when you play this, you understand that it wasn't really a huge jump at all, that here all these ideas were established. And it's a great bit of fun, and there are things that you could take from this and sort of reintegrate into future Star Foxes and would be brilliant. Like, I think the map screen is amazing. I love the element of real-time... Yeah, no, that's such a great idea. Real-time strategy management as well as the sort of Star Fox. I actually kind of like the idea of it, like, you know, each playthrough being so so short, because I've got a terrible attention span which is kind of why like Maiden Wario works so well for me yeah. but um, right, the idea that you could play through it in 20 minutes and just have such different experiences every time you pick it up that sounds great to me totally can you imagine if there was like a 90% complete Mario game that they just sort of went eh. exactly 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 so I, there you go I would thoroughly recommend it if anyone wants to play it and is having trouble getting a hold of it um, get in touch with me and I can at least sort of talk you through the steps of getting it patched point you in the right direction Sounds great. Okay, let's uh, let's take a wee break and we'll come back with some of your views about what game should have had a sequel. But did they get one? No. Okay, so in honour of looking at Star Fox 2, the great sequel that never was, that should have been, that perhaps might have half been in another bizarro retroon, in Retrain, in Retrain, like... They're like, oh, Star, For- Star Fox 2, Game of the Decades. Okay. Uh, but uh, we don't live in Retrain, so we asked you, the good people of One Margoland, what was the fondly remembered game of yesteryear that you wish had had a sequel, but did not? And as soon as I asked this, the redoubtable uh, Charlie Anderson at Luciano says, immediately came back with Shadow of the Colossus and I spent three hours crying because, because I can't remember have I mentioned this in the podcast before I bought a PS3 basically entirely for Last Guardian I think you have but you should mention it again just to really hit home how gutted you are like, <sighs> so there are there are plenty of people in the same position who bought a PS3 for a lot of PS3 games that never ended up coming out so but you know it means now I get to enjoy the experience of buying a PS4 for Last Guardian it's going to be beautiful it'll be fine um, I think the answer is back. Before we asked this question, I was kind of worried that folk would be like, fucking Skyrim, or like, fucking 
Assassin's Creed or just like something that was already part of a series or already had a sequel. I don't think it's really cool to say like, oh, I wish the fifth game in this series had gotten a sequel. Aye. Anyway, you got one? You got any pals? Aye, aye. Got a good one here. Uh, Captain Tonga uh, says, Call of Duty, a little recognised game, really deserved a sequel, maybe even a series. Always Captain Tonga's tongue in his cheek there. I think it is a wee bit. Captain Tonga in cheek. Captain Tonga, you kidder. Oh, well. uh, And uh, in a similar vein, Graham White says to me, I'd quite like a sequel to Half-Life 2. Whatever happened to those fellows from Valve? Totally. Uh, That is, even though I was like, nothing that's part of a series... When it comes to Half-Life 3, or Half-Life 2, Episode 3, rather, I have to throw everything at the window and be like, yeah, can we please maybe have a sequel to that? Please. 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 like that. It'll come out. It'll it, come they, out, they're man. They're getting to it. I mean, you know, you got Portal 2, so, you know, be happy with that. Aye. Aye. Um, uh, Findlay, uh, Auntie Bloom says, Gun for the Xbox, that would have been nice. Never played Gun, sounds like a shooting game. Isn't that the Western? Possibly, yeah. I think that was, you know, Red Dead Redemption before there was one. Every, Sun, every, Sunset Riders, mate. Yeah, it's well, the only like, Western you need. Like. like every five years, somebody sort of goes, why don't we make a Western game? Mm. And you get, uh, like, I'm, I'm going to look this up now in case Gun wasn't a Western game. I'm pretty sure it was. I'll keep talking while you're doing that then. Okay, yeah. Um, the, the, the redoubtable, the redoubtable Simon Cole, the Sonic Mole, says, um, I'd love to see a new Ogre Battle game. The series has a wonderful lore that I'd love to see expanded on. Again, a series, but again, one that I can probably relate to. I would quite enjoy a new uh, Ogre Battle game. Um, he also says the Japanese for Ogre Battle 64, which he wants to attempt me, wants, wants me to attempt, rather, to say, hey, I watch a lot of Japanese things. I'm not that bad at saying Japanese stuff. No, no, you're good. You're good. Will, I, just... will I say it in my, my Japanese announcer voice? I think you should say it in, like, you know, a sort of uh, Shettleston Jakey voice. No, I want to say it, man. Oga Bataru Rok John So, what we got? Oga Bataru Rok John Pason Obu Rodori Kyariba. Rodori Kyariba, rather. <laughs> I like hearing you attempt the Japanese, says the Sonic Mole. Well, there you go. Sonikarumaru! You, you baka! <laughs> um, I'd like to point out, as per Wikipedia, okay. poor Gaijin. Um, Gun. Gun is a revisionist western themed video game. There you go, there I you thought go. it was a Mick Jagger tune, but. Knowledge, I thought it was a terrible Glaswegian band. Uh, you remember Gun? Nah. Oh. Oh, right, one. I'm not going to sully my Wikipedia with that, but, uh, but take it from me, gun, we're horrible. You got another one there? Hey, yeah, yeah. Um, we've, first of all, we've got uh, Game Wank Jim, who I think you know. I think Aye. we all know and love. Um, first is Morrowind, because yeah. he's hilarious. Aye. I mean, like, he, no, I think he legitimately means not Oblivion, he means Morrowind 2. Yeah. Another <laughs> game set in Morrowind, which I think a lot of people would want, so that's a pretty good answer, Jim. Oh, they're all the same. Serious answer, he says, though, Jade Empire, possibly the best Bioware game, but the least loved, which Aye, is fucking heartbreaking. That's a good answer. Uh, Jade Empire sequel would be really good. And he also comes out with Freelancer, which is the best elite clone in the modern era. Sequel promised by huge fist-gnawing cliffhanger. Fuck all. Ten years. Yeah, there's a lot of issues with cliffhangers, actually. Um, from BitSocket Joe and BitSocket Scott, I got two. Unless they didn't sign it off, so maybe it was just Joe deciding he wanted to be a wee cheater and have two. <laughs> You're a bad boy, Joe. 
Um, Game in the system. One of them says, this is most definitely, I'd put my money on this being Joe. Um, he says, you kidding, fucking uh, Ryo Hazuki is still stuck in that cave. I knew we'd get Shenmue. I know, man. Uh, I know. It had a sequel. Well, I, I can't really say because I'd fucking love another one, but at least it did get a sequel. Yeah, it did. Against all the odds, it got number two. But it, the worst thing Yu Suzuki ever did was saying, oh, there's going to be three of them. Uh, the other bit socket answer was uh, 13. Oh, yeah. Ended on a cliffhanger and everything. It gave me ball ache. Yeah, I, I was looking forward to 14. <laughs> uh, this is why you're a stand-up. Uh, no, based on a French comic. Not oh, a really? lot of people know that. Oh, very nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Jamie Ormston, uh, our, our friend who... Does <laughs> he even is, play games? Well... <laughs> I think he's having a lot of fun with it because Jamie is a qualified marine biologist and he says Echo the Dolphin. Ah. To which I say, Jamie, there was an Echo the Dolphin too and like Echo the Dolphin, it was horribly shit. Echo the Dolphin's amazing. It's not. Aye, it is. Have you tried playing it again? No, but it's good. No, it's not. Aye, it is. It's slow and boring. I might do Echo, Echo the Dolphin could be my psychonauts. Like, <laughs> right. Here's this game I love but actually hate when I replay this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was... Oh, Echo the Dolphin, though. Really? Aye, it has that really kind of sinister atmosphere about it and the kind of otherworldly charm, I think. I think we've discovered your furriness and it's actually... <laughs> dolphins <laughs> don't have fur. <laughs> they, 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 <laughs> they feel like a, a balloon, apparently. Is that right? Uh, <laughs> apparently. Apparently. I've never touched a dolphin. I don't like the idea of being in the water with other things. Touching is not the verb for what you've done to dolphins. I don't like the sea. I think Echo the Dolphin is one of the reasons the sea terrifies me so much. That, right? that and the fact that Dragonzord could be done there. And, oh, know. right. My word. Uh, another friend of ours, uh, Nico 80, comes out with a really good one, actually. Uh, Sam and Max Hit the Road. Hmm. I know there were PSV versions um, and... Mac and whatever the Telltale versions, mm. but they never had the same charm or Claude Bumpus, which is a, a very, very valid yeah, point. Yeah, a very good point. Uh, I mean, like those Telltale games, they're nice for what they are, and they're they're a nice format uh-huh. for episodic gaming and things like that. But it, it, he, he's right; they, they just weren't as sharp, and they didn't have that lovely Steve Purcell um, pixel art, which mm. really is a big part of the charm. Um, yeah, Sam and Max Hit the Road, a classic. An absolute Stone Cold classic. Got one here from uh, Manly J Panda that I'm not going to read out because he's being a troll. Oh, he's, oh he's, he's been a cheeky boy, but not even as as well as Captain Tonga was. was totally. Captain Tonga. Uh, Captain Tonga. His... That, that's him. That's Captain Tonga. Got one here from uh, Cami Toman, uh, Co-Mutiny. He says, Mirror's Edge. I know it's not that old, but fuck, man. Mirror's Edge, please. Mirror's Edge, I never really got on with because I'm not great at first-person shooters. So what? But such what a great idea. It's not really an FPS, though. I mean, it's what, the most uh, what, tenuous right, FPS. Right, like first-person platformer. Then ah, there we go. FPP. But um, like it's the first-person aspect that I have problems with, not the shooting. Um, but I mean, yeah, like a really like an original idea, a great aesthetic about it, and it's definitely something that could do with refining. I think. Did you play much of it? Uh, I did actually play a wee bit on PS3. I think it looks kind of interesting. I don't think it looks. I'm not a big fan of the art style. Yeah. I wouldn't go out and say it looked good, but I think it looks interesting. I think it was a very interesting game. Its merits lie in the fact that it was something original. Definitely one of those things more interesting than good, unfortunately, which is why a sequel would would be a good shout. Yes. And uh, to round us off, we've got Evil Ninja Phil, uh, who chimes in with Unirally. 
a total beast of a game and no mistake and that is a phenomenal how, show. I mean, how think of the things. Well, let's think. What say they released one on the the Wii U or the three, even the three DS. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that might look quite good in three D with sort of the layers of kind of depth. Oh, yeah, to, so if they had like, like the two D format kind of yeah. parallax, yeah. With the well, think about the things you could do if you had like like layers of tracks going into the background and you're like doing a bunny hop mm. and a, a track in the background and then back into the foreground. Like, you know, he was totally built on those sort of stunts and Do you think a, th- a 3D like one would work from like a sort of Mario Kart perspective? <laughs> it wouldn't really because it's on that sort of plane, that straight kind of... I think you could do a sort of Sonic Generation sort of thing where like it's mostly side on but Aye. then like it would maybe like sweep around the corner for a I section. I like that, I like that. Uh, but you know, you know, really, again, like again, that just had a, a great core concept uh, of you know, sort of racing and stunt. You you play like a disembodied unicycle uh, racing down these tracks and and stunts when, and fun. When you play it, you have to have the volume up as loud as it goes because the music is completely ripping as well. Absolutely ripping. So well, good. let's have a little bit of Unirally music, shall we? Aye. was one that uh, like my sort of childhood music memories from games of like games that totally they, they got the telly turned right up was that and rock and roll racing as well like, <laughs> well that the, was all there in the title uh, that really the, was just the volume turned right up like <laughs> uh but yeah that's a great shout phil you uh, a sequel to Unirally would be very welcome mm. it's interesting that i think that that's probably maybe our best answer in terms of a game that never got a sequel but in the modern time, you could do something really cool with. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Because um, a, a lot of a lot of games that are in a series, like like I said, a lot of people have suggested games that are part of a series. The gameplay is never really going to change that drastically. Mm-hmm. But I mean, even if you keep the sort of Unirally gameplay as a sort of you know at, at its core, but maybe expand on it with the sort of things you can do now with like modern gaming. I think a 3DS version would be really nice. Like. Well, see, this kind of takes me to to my suggestion. Like my my actual answer to this would be um, Space Station Silicon Valley, mm. which was a game that came out in 1998 on the N64. Now, the the concept of this was that you you played like um, a, a microchip who was like stranded on this sort of intergalactic theme park thing. I remember like, the, I remember the cover art very well. It had that kind of round dog looking. Yeah, thing. yeah, like 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 this sort of theme park was like all different worlds that were populated by like robot animals. Now, the idea of it is that like, you're sort of like problem solving to try and get to your spaceship to repair your body because you're, like, you're actually a robot but you're just as wee microchip brain. But the gameplay mechanic was that you would um, possess these, like you would like go into the brain and like take over these uh, animals and use their various abilities to build up and solve puzzles. It was like basically a huge platform puzzle solving game. Uh, and it was great fun and a great concept. And I can only really think of one other game that used the possession mechanic, which was uh, Messiah, a shiny game in 2000, which was like a, a first-person shooter. But uh, mm-hmm. your default character was, again, like a sort of like really vulnerable, powerless uh, cherub, I think it was. Right. And like you, you possessed like, people around the game world. Mm-hmm. And that's like a fun concept. Like You could see that being married into a sort of sandbox... Grand Theft Auto style game where like literally any 
person or object is something that could potentially be your character. I suppose Lego games kind of do that. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. But, you know, it, it's a, it's an underexplored gameplay mechanic, in mm. my opinion, and Space Station Silicon Valley was buggy as hell and really doesn't look great now. Yeah, it's I one of those N64 games that has aged pretty badly. So a sequel to that would, uh, you know, that, that bears some exploration. Mm, very interesting. I get kind of two answers. One's a bit of a shite bag answer, and one's a bit more genuine. I'll go with the shite bag one first. Um, I think Actraiser could do with a modern sequel. Okay. Don't know if you ever played. No. Maybe the first Act. There's an Actraiser two, but basically an Actraiser. It's this weird sort of mix of you play God uh-huh. and you fly around in your sort of cloud, and then you build settlements and stuff. But the interesting thing is, every time you get to a new land, there are monsters inhabiting this land, and before you can cultivate the land and do your sort of Sim City bit, you play an action stage oh. where you sort of go into this hero and then you play like a kind of very side-scrolling kind of kind of ghosts and goblins type bit where you amazing ah, yeah, it's a very cool concept um, it's like it's such an interesting mix of two completely different gameplay styles that they just stuck together and it works amazing so I think a modern sort of version of Actraiser where you could maybe do like some cool online stuff where you could go at other people's yeah yeah you sure. could play God and go and fuck up other people's settlements and stuff and um, but my, my, my more sort of legitimate answer was uh, Mischief Makers, uh, N64 platformer developed by Treasure. Uh, a lot of the people that are responsible for Gunstar Heroes are the people responsible for Mischief Makers. Nice. Well, good N64 game. One of my favourite platformers for it. There's a lot of really good 2D platformers for N64. That and the second uh, Ganbari Goemon game as well for mm-hmm. N64 are both my sort of two favourite kind of 2D platformers for that. Um, and yeah, it's a great game, a really cool premise, a really nice art style, the characters are totally awesome, I think it could totally do a sequel, um, something that could feasibly get a sequel as well, hopefully. So. Yeah, I mean, Treasure are still, still treasuring along, mm. though they're not really ones for sequels really, are they? Like, mm. Not a lot of their, which is part of the reason why we like Treasure. Well, this is it, I mean, a lot of these, I, I tend to love a lot of games that have no sequels, and maybe that's to do with the fact that they aren't series, and they're just sort of single standalones, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, was there anything in this game that was underexplored in the way that, like, Cunarally or Space Station Silicon Valley was that would would really benefit from uh, uh, another look? Uh, maybe, I mean, the whole sort of... Can we hear that sound again? Uh, maybe, I that, mean... That's the sequel I enjoyed. Uh, <laughs> it was just a really good platform game, man. It, it's totally banging, like... Um, I just think... Uh, that it's a game where I'd like to play more of it. I think the people that are responsible for it could make a sequel with the exact same gameplay, and it still would have been just as good. Uh, right. Okay. So let's uh, take right. a wee musical break, and we'll be back to talk about music. What, I'm going to, uh, what we're going to play for you here, the treat that we have for you, is the title theme music from a game called Switchblade, mm-hmm. which came out on all the sort of um, the home 8-bit formats uh, like uh, Commodore 64, Amstrad, and uh, this particular version comes from the ZX Spectrum. Oh, you're treating us to the Spectrum version when you could have given us the C64 and you've given us the Spectrum. Well, I've no idea what this is. This just speaks volumes about your character, Nickel Hay. Well, this speaks volumes about the fact that I had a Spectrum and not a C64 because I wasn't a toffee like you. Peasant. Um, Switchblade, I've got really fond memories of. Switchblade is like Star Fox in that um, respect that it was a game that when it came out, you just 
looking at it, looking at how big the game was, how clear mm. the graphics were, and you're like, this can't be happening on this mm. machine. This is insane. And the funny thing is, is that I remembered the music being a part of that, but I couldn't remember the actual tune. But, you know, I had that memory of, like, oh, I really like that uh, song in my head. And when I went back to listen to it, it's even better than I remember. Oh, really? It's so good, so ripping. Uh, composed by a gentleman named uh, Ben Dalgleish, a.k.a. Ben, with two N's, in 1991. And it is just a wonderful ver- uh, example of chiptune music. It's it's so great. I, uh, I've been listening to it constantly for the last few weeks, and I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Good, that'll give you a welcome respite from listening to that Team Plasma battle music all the time. <laughs> You're going to do that in a couple of months, so... <laughs> it's it's on the list. Good, it's on the good list. Good man, good man. Okay, so um, if you got anything you want to say to the good listeners, uh, no, just thanks for tuning in. As always, um, we'll be back next month. Yeah, we will. Um, we haven't quite decided yet, but we'll uh, we'll have some treats for you. In the meantime, uh, tweet us both at Nicole Hay and at No Stopping Epoch. Drop us an email at onemoregopodcast at gmail.com and do, do check out the Tumblr at uh, onemoregopodcast.tumblr.com. Oh, look at it. Check him out. And uh, we'll have some lovely gifts and photo sets and things like that from Star Fox 2 and from WarioWare Inc., which is the game that I did. Totally. Yes. Uh, they'll be all there for your delectation as soon as this episode goes up. Go enjoy, share, and be a part of games that we used to love, games that we still love, Games that we hope that you'll love too.